Hello and welcome to UX Soup, a podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Chris Schreiner. Diana and Lisa have the podcast off today, but in their place, we have a very, very special guest. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast, uh, one of the co-creators and original co-hosts of UX Soup, Derek Vita. Derek, welcome back. Thanks, Chris. So great to be here. So great to see you. So great to hear your voice. Pleasure to be back. <laughs> so as uh, our listeners might know, uh, Derek uh, left uh, for a different opportunity at uh, early last year. And so we thought we would invite Derek back on to talk about job hunting, job hunting for user experience work, uh, the process, some of the issues, platforms, and how well they do in terms of fulfilling the needs of a UX job hunter. So I guess let's start with uh, just from a, a broad overview. Let's say you are looking for a new opportunity in the UX field. What are the, the types of things that you're looking for if you are actively searching for a position? UX is such a tough field to navigate these job listings in. And the reason why is because people come to UX from a variety of different backgrounds, uh, whether it's graphic design, whether it's industrial engineering, uh, human factor psychology like myself, uh, mechanical engineering, um, you know, self-taught through boot camps, uh, whatever. And so people have these varied backgrounds and they have to wade through a variety of different UX jobs that have a variety of different overlapping <laughs> responsibilities associated with them. For example, I saw a job listing fairly recently that was looking for a UX generalist that was, and the the job details were just a mix of literally everything from <laughs> marketing to data science to just every other buzzword you could possibly imagine. So if I'm coming in with my design background, like I don't know what to do with this, right? So even if I have a good idea of what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. um, it, it's really hard to sort of wade through the junk to find what, what it is that you actually want. We, we talked about this on a recent episode about just the state of the UX profession where we see job more and more job postings that are looking for a UX unicorn, you know, the person that has every skill ever uh, for UX and, and all in one package. You right. find the same thing? Right, exactly. And part of that is because a lot of times job, uh, job posters have no idea what they want because mm -hmm. ux is such a you know buzzwordy type field and it's sort of this amalgamation of a bunch of different things and they know that it's important and they know that usability is important they know that design is important but they just don't know what they don't know and they don't know what they need uh, yeah. on their org in that particular time other than just you know knowing that you know, execs are talking to me about it, so I need to make sure I have someone on staff who can answer check these uh, designing questions. A checkbox check for box. a UX person that we have one on staff. That, of course, doesn't fit the needs of the employer or the potential employee because 
you know, that, that position, unicorn position like that isn't going to get filled. That's exactly right. And it also keeps potentially very good people from applying to it because they see it for what it is. That's exactly right. One of the other trends that is complicating all this is the expectation, especially in certain very large software orgs, that designers do research, right? So it's expected that designers can, you know, be boned up on certain types of research, or at least the types of research that executives or PMs are going to want to uh, have access to or a mm -hmm. regular uh, pipeline of. And researchers just can't learn design, I guess. I don't know why <laughs> we started with that. That's why, why we became researchers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, I don't know whether just researchers have been historically seen as sort of the professor in the ivory tower, and it's our job to teach everybody like what research is. I, I don't know where that came from, but that's, I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to that, but that's the trend that we're seeing. So what are the types of things in a job posting that really pique your interest? What are the uh, either phrases or what's the style of it? What is it about a particular job posting that says, that's one thing I want to look at more? That's an interesting question. Let me start broad and then go a little bit narrow. Broadly, I love seeing a posting where the job details or the responsibilities of the person they're trying to bring on are well-defined. Uh, it's not, you know, designers who do some research and like uh, researchers bleeding into design, whatever. It's a, this is what you're expected to do. I also like seeing postings that are a little bit less focused on the tools because you find that as long as people have the aptitude mm -hmm. to um, understand like, you know, what's important and how to measure it, you don't really need to do it in, you know, Figma or uh, Sketch or whatever. Like that's the skill set is the skill set, and the tools can be learned. And so I appreciate when job postings are a little bit less. Make sure that you know, like these twenty programs, because right. that's not all that important. More narrowly, um, what I was interested in and realizing that my experience is fairly unique, I was looking for something where I could have a broader impact. Uh, on an org, um, preferably something like small or medium sized. Um, I realized that, you know, there's certain very large software, e-commerce, social media organizations that are um, hiring researchers and designers by the truckload right now. Yep. I wasn't necessarily looking for something that was a plug and play. I was looking for something that was uh, a little bit more, maybe they're a little bit earlier in the UX process. Uh, or building up a team, uh, something where I can kind of reach across silos a little bit more and have a little bit broader impact. There are many different platforms that you could go to search for jobs, and you are a somewhat active LinkedIn person. Um, so you, I'm sure that LinkedIn jobs have been part of your search in the past. Um, how would you compare the different platforms, whether it be LinkedIn or Indeed or any or ux specific ones so i'm not as familiar with the ux specific ones historically speaking even going back like 15 20 years to sites like monster.com and things like that um i've appreciated some of those older platforms um that were a little bit more keyword based 
so there was a time earlier in my career where I really didn't care like where the location was, for example. I was just looking for something that met a few certain criteria across a country or across a region. Um, I appreciated that a little bit more than LinkedIn now, which seems a little bit more um, region specific. My experience with LinkedIn, and maybe this is just where I'm at in my career, it's been much more passive than it's been active. Uh, recruiters have discovered that everybody is on LinkedIn. And so I get bombarded with stuff on LinkedIn more than I can keep up with the listings themselves, if that makes sense. No, no, that makes sense. Do you find that the algorithms that LinkedIn provide and say, hey, Derek, you might be interested in this position that's near you. Do you find them that to be helpful or accurate or is it just still wading through a bunch of rubbish? Mostly the latter, unfortunately. I found that if I actively click on a listing, LinkedIn will bother me about that listing repeatedly or, <laughs> or they'll ask me about you know other jobs in that specific region that meet that specific criteria. Um, what I don't appreciate is uh, folks on LinkedIn, and again, this is I'm, I'm ragging on recruiters a little bit here, who just do a very basic keyword search for things like UX or UX researcher and bombard me with stuff that's completely irrelevant to my interests. Like, is there an example? Uh, sure. Yeah, I am fairly well removed from my first junior uh, contractor job uh, as a UX researcher. Uh, I am not interested in doing that anymore. I can draw in Microsoft Paint, but I'm not a designer. <laughs> um, I have lost count of the number of recruiters who have reached out because of my impressive experience. And oh, by the way, we're looking with, for someone with extensive design chops. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's uh, it's been rough to navigate all of uh, the whether they're from, you know, the uh, head shops in my area who are just looking to staff up places like Microsoft, Amazon, things like that. Um, but it's been rough to navigate that. When it comes to something like LinkedIn job search, what's one or maybe two things that you would like to see them change? So that's an interesting question. I go back and forth about the usefulness of LinkedIn to begin with <laughs> as a as a place where you post all of your credentials because that's sort of a double-edged sword, right? I can put whatever I want on there. I can say that I'm a Figma expert and as long as you know, number one I can put it out there with, you know, no repercussion. Uh, and especially if I put it up there and uh Chris Schreiner and uh, Lisa Cooper say that yes, Derek is an expert at uh, running a well running welding equipment. You know, <laughs> like, yes, absolutely. So um, at the same time, I like the flexibility that allows me to put exactly what my expertise was, or let's say, for example, my job title didn't align with my functional title. Mm -hmm. um, I can refine that a little bit uh, on LinkedIn and explain it you know, without pushback. One example, when I was at Virginia Tech Transportation Institute, my official title was research associate. That could mean anything, right? right. My functional title was human factors engineer. And if you're looking for someone with UX background or human factors background, or I want to put my bona fides up there, that makes a little bit more sense. But you know, the, again, the con to that is anyone can put any old thing on LinkedIn. 
and recruiters can reach out to you. So that's, uh, I'm not really sure how you fix that though. To me, your LinkedIn profile is more to just promote, at least in our, and in, in my area, it's to kind of promote us and what we do because in my job, I'm the product. Um, but if you're, let's say if I was going to go put myself on LinkedIn to find a job, I'd want that thing to look completely differently than it does. That's exactly right. Um, one other way people sort of game this system is uh, if they're in the process of looking for a new job and they want to, you know, goose the levels, shall we say, mm-hmm. like, let's say that I'm looking for a senior management job or whatever, people will just straight up lie and change their, uh, their existing position to something like manager or associate to the regional manager or whatever, <laughs> so that it can, and I mean, it will change the algorithms and it will change the way recruiters are looking mm-hmm. at them and say, oh, clearly they are at this level. Right. So right. again, go back to that double-edged sword. And the, it, LinkedIn used to like anytime you updated your profile like that, kind of put that out there, but now you can hide that or tell it not to. And so, yeah, that does kind of open it up for that kind of shenanigans. Exactly. I I will uh, be going to change mine to the assistant to the regional manager. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, do that. Do like grand poobah. (laughs) Grand UX poobah. Now uh, for the applying process have you applied for positions through linkedin or is it all through company websites or it's uh it's been a little mix of both there are some companies that will still put at least some sort of entry form on linkedin do like some basic information Mm -hmm. um what i hate though is uh, this is 2022 i guess i haven't been applying to jobs in 2022 yet but it's the early 2020s and people are still creating these nonsensical flows for entering in resumes wherein <laughs> you upload a resume or you put in basic information on LinkedIn uh-huh. and then you hit submit and then you have to re-enter everything all over again in the company proprietary portal. Yep. Attention job posters, please stop doing that. <laughs> Surely there's a better way. We talked a, a little bit, you know, about how resumes are ported in, but we haven't talked yet about creating resumes themselves. Now for UX people, that's changed a bit over the years. And, and of course there's been a lot of software templates and things like that to help with resume and portfolio creation. What have you found to be helpful or what's something that you would like to see that would be helpful? I realize that, and this is going to make me sound very old. I assure you are not. It's become more acceptable to have multi-page resumes where you have like all of your different details on all your different jobs. And if it has to bleed past that one page mark into two, three pages, that's totally fine. I found that one page is plenty. Mm -hmm. Just keep it to your top bullet points. Keep it to the work that you're most proud of. Because that will lend itself very well to at least those first couple of interviews because you'll come across as much more passionate and excited about the work that you do. Um, So that's a little miniature hack that uh, I've done, but again, just keep it to one page. I'm I'm, as someone that uh, has to look at resumes from time to time, 1000% on that side. I don't 
want to see a four page resume because I'm not one going to just, I, I've got lots of resumes to go through. And so to go through four pages, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's going to take me longer to get there. And so that's immediately a negative thing. And that's too much to digest. And it kind of shows me that they don't know how to concisely communicate a point. So I love a one page resume. Hey, this is me. This is what I do. There you go. And let that speak for itself. So I 100% agree with that. Not particularly necessary, especially when you get later on in your UX career to include just every single project you've ever worked on and every single tool <laughs> you've ever worked on, things like that. Just, you know, just take a page from having a good conversation. Like people don't really care about those minute details, just leave them out. Mm -hmm. And if it comes up in the interview, you can speak to it. Um, but, you know, it, just don't bombard the resume reader with all of your information. Yeah leave out the details and focus on the big stuff. Yeah, I've, I found that too. It's like if you're a 10 year um, you know, veteran in UX, I don't need to know what you did, what project do you work on, on a summer internship back in undergraduate? <laughs> Absolutely. You mentioned portfolios briefly as well, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna thread a needle a little bit. Uh, do as I say, not as I do. Portfolios are important especially if you want to get a job in a big software org where research sits with design and that's how people think of UX. And so make a basic website with, you know, a few visual assets of like a few case studies, things like that. Have a portfolio, it couldn't hurt. I hate research portfolios. <laughs> I think they're completely pointless. <laughs> If you are so wrapped up in design world where you need to see visual asset, like what, what's a research visual asset, like a chart, a, yeah. a picture of someone. A who visual asset of card sorting. <laughs> completely, completely pointless. And I wish that those would go away. End quote. Research portfolios are important for certain companies. You should at least have one ready. <laughs> Any final words of wisdom that you would have for a UX professional right now that's that's looking for a position. Any any tips, hints, tricks? I have two. Number one, Chris, you made a fantastic point in an earlier episode of UX Soup, talking about a question that a listener had about how to break into UX, and you said something to the effect of, "Unfortunately, you just need to know people," mm -hmm. and it's, it's so true. So important to at least, you know, go to some meetups, either virtually or in person, whatever you're comfortable with, um, you know, get some sort of presence out there on social media, if that's what you're comfortable with, just meet as many people as you can, because I'll be honest, um, since leaving grad school, yeah, half of the jobs that I've, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be hired for were literally like word of mouth reference. So mm. when I got hired at VTTI, the professor uh, that I, one of the professors that I was at did his postdoc with uh, Charlie Clower at VTTI. Shout out to Charlie Clower. Hi, Charlie. Uh, so that's how I got that position. And then the VTTI connection is how I got the job at Strategy Analytics as well. So get your name out there. It does not hurt to, uh, to know people who know people. Always good advice. And, and be a good teammate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The second thing is a piece of advice that uh, I might get Chris in trouble for. That 
that Chris gave me many years ago, which is it's more for people who have been in the field for a while. And this actually this applies not just to UX, but to everywhere. No matter how happy you are in your position, go and interview for at least one open position every year. Just regardless of, you know, um, what uh, position you're in or how happy you are in, in that role, it forces you to update your resume and mm-hmm. keep it fresh. It forces you to take stock in if you're maintaining a portfolio, um, making sure that you have visual assets in that portfolio that are representative of your best and most recent work. And it also just fundamentally keeps you fresh for interviews. Because it's a muscle that uh, you, I have found, that <laughs> tends to rust if you're not using it uh, every once in a while. So uh, go and interview at least once a year, regardless of where you're at. And and I can't take credit for that advice. That was advice I received from an old manager of mine, Mike Gardner, um, back when I worked at Motorola. He would tell all of us in his group to go do that. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> All right. Well, Derek, I appreciate you coming back on. It's so good to see you again. Uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, to come on UX Soup. Absolute pleasure. More than happy to come back anytime. Uh, excellent. Thank you, Derek. If you have any questions, like to reach out to us, you can always email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes on our podcast website, ux-soup.com, has links to all of our user experience research. And you can also connect with us on LinkedIn. A reminder that UX Soup is sponsored, as always, by Strategy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.